Let's face it, not everyone learns in front of an instructor. Some people learn very well on their own. Others may learn by discussing the PEMBOK guide with a trainer or coach. Others may learn by watching videos. If that sounds like you in any one of those instances, you need to go on down to praiseon.com. P R A I Z I O N.com. We provide solutions for all modes of learning. Go on down and see what we have in store. Let's get back into the show. Hello, my awesome project managers. Welcome to the PMP Exam Radio Show. It's your buddy Phil here, project management trainer and coach. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Today, we're going to be talking about Scrum events. Now, over the past couple of sessions or more, we've been talking about Scrum, talked about the roles, talked about the team, cross-functionality, but today, we're talking about events. So, when you think about events, think about the word ceremonies. We call them ceremonies because... They are ceremonies, right? I remember when I was getting my CSM certification, we had a ceremony where I was conferred the title of Certified Scrum Master. Now, this was over 10 years ago, but I found that to be really humorous. But we called them ceremonies. So, ceremonies, let's start off thinking about the very first thing that happens when you take a look at that Scrum breakdown all the way to the left-hand side, right? We have the very first ceremony that we call sprint planning. Sprint planning is the very first ceremony. And then after sprint planning, we see, oh, sprint planning wasn't really the first thing. The first thing was the sprint. But before you know that you're in the sprint, you're done with sprint planning. So think about it like this. The sprint is a container for everything else that happens within it. In other words, one of the ceremonies is a container for everything else that happens within the sprint. So we have sprint planning where we plan what is to be done in the sprint. We have the sprint itself. We have the daily scrum. We have something called a sprint review and we have something called a sprint retrospective. So you've heard me say before, Scrum is an empirical approach to managing work. Empiricism is what Scrum thrives on. And that means each of the Scrum events is meant to increase transparency so that the team can reliably inspect and adapt. Inspect their progress and adapt their plans to better reach a desired outcome. The sprint, as it reads in the Scrum Guide, is the heartbeat of Scrum. It can be viewed as a container, like I said, for all of Scrum's inspect and adapt loops. The Scrum team delivers a new iteration of the working product. We call it the PSI, Potentially Shippable Increment, or the increment, you might hear it being called. But we deliver a new iteration of a working product every sprint, and each sprint lasts between one to four weeks, at most one calendar month. Are shorter sprints possible? Absolutely. We have many firms who practice Agile and Scrum delivering in much shorter sprints, sprints of days, hey, sprints of, let's say, hours. Absolutely. So it really depends on the industry. 
The length of the sprint is not what is in question. It is what happens within it. So at the beginning of the sprint, the team comes together, like I said, they have the sprint planning meeting to assess which items from the top of the product backlog they can pull into the sprint. The team crafts a sprint goal, which is a higher level objective, which will be accomplished by delivering the selected product backlog items. So select with caution. The sprint goal helps ensure a shared understanding of the purpose of the work in the coming sprint. And then when they get into the work itself, they create the sprint backlog, which is the development team's plan for how they will deliver the new product increment. Once the sprint planning is complete, the development team begins their development work, which continues until the end of the sprint. Once a day, They'll meet together at the daily scrum. You might hear people referring to this as a daily stand-up meeting. And they do this really to inspect the sprint plan and make any adaptations. It is covertly a planning meeting. It's often been said, oh, people give status at the daily scrum. No, they don't. In fact, it's an anti-pattern. When people begin to give status, percent completes, that's goofy. That's not what we do in the daily scrum. Instead, we are going to inspect the sprint plan and make adaptations as necessary. When the sprint is complete, the team delivers a releasable PSI, potentially shippable increment. Then that increment will be inspected along with other stakeholders at the sprint review meeting. And then they will adapt their future plans for the product by updating the product backlog. There's a lot that you may have to update at the end of a sprint review. After the customer has given their verdict, should I say, on what you have demoed, then you really know what you're going to do in the next sprints. Finally, the team will hold a sprint retrospective to inspect the system of work itself and make adaptations to be more effective in future sprints. So scrum teams are encouraged to have consistent sprint length. If it's going to be two weeks, all the sprints are two weeks. If it's going to be one week, all the sprints are one week. But not yo-yoing across numbers like one week here, two weeks. No, that's not ideal. If you're in the world of Scrum, we keep the sprint length consistent for consistency's sake so that we're able to really harness the power of velocity. Now, when you go to Kanban and other methods, there could be some variability. But in the world of Scrum, we keep it intact. So sprints provide a rhythm to the work of the team and the business. We talk about cadence. It establishes a cadence. So instead of adjusting the length of each sprint to match the upcoming work in the product backlog, effective scrum teams learn how to refine the product backlog items such that several can fit within any given sprint. I talked about the INVEST acronym in a previous episode. We want our user stories to be ready. Those backlog items, they need to meet the definition of ready. As we're getting into sprint planning, they had better be ready because we're not going to use sprint planning to do our refinement. That's not the purpose. Now, when we talk about the sprint, the moment we are airborne in the sprint, we discourage changes. So no new work can be pushed into the sprint. In Scrum, the only way for work to be part of a sprint is for the development team to pull it in. And this is one of the primary purposes of the sprint planning meeting. The team pulls the work in. We have the courage to pull in the work that we need to get done. No matter how ominous and difficult those stories are, we got the courage, it's met the definition of ready, it's been decomposed enough, and we can do it. 
So if the development team finds that they have additional capacity while the sprint is in progress, they could choose to pull additional work into the sprint. At all times, meeting the sprint goal, though, is the guiding principle. And I dare say that before the team pulls stuff in, we're talking about the product owner understanding, giving consent. The product owner is the guardian of the product backlog. They need to be aware if the team desires to do more than it originally bargained for. In the same token, if the team discovers that the work that they took on is very different from what they expected, then they collaborate with the product owner to negotiate the scope of the sprint backlog within the sprint. So anything can happen within the sprint with the product owner consent. Even all the way up to a product owner choosing to cancel a sprint, this absolutely could happen. But again, it's the product owner's judgment call. Now, if the sprint goal becomes obsolete, or if the market conditions change, what good is it to blindly plow through product backlog item after product backlog item on fruitless user stories? It makes no sense. So the product owner needs to make certain judgment calls, and that's why in the world of Scrum, we encourage people to respect the decisions of the product owner. What happens if the company makes a major strategy change? Then what good is it? To plow down a blind alley. Makes no sense. So sprint cancellations are rare though, because sprints are of course pretty short, one to four weeks. How much craziness could happen within one to four weeks? Well, someone says, no, Phil, anything could happen. Yeah, I agree. A lot could happen, but typically a lot does not happen to the extent that we've spent so many resources and so much effort. And that is one of the advantages of keeping the sprint short. Now you see why we like to keep sprints as short as possible and to the sensible cadence that the team agrees to. That's why we discourage eight-week sprints, 10-week sprints, half-a-year sprint. No. So, my friends, I hope this has given you some context for you to understand Scrum in a lot more detail. Don't forget to visit us at praision.com. That's P-R-A-I-Z-I-O-N.com for all your project management training and coaching. And hey, if you want to invite me out to your organization, you know I will be more than happy to train and coach your friends, your team members on project management. Looking forward to seeing you in another episode very soon. You take care. Bye for now.